This episode of UK Low Carb Podcast is sponsored by Deliciously Guilt Free. Enjoy the show. The main thing that low carb did for me is help my mindset. And right. when everyone messages me and they say, why did you do keto or, you know, how do I do it? You know, how do I start? And I always say the main thing before you even look at keto or whatever is get your mind in the right headspace. Because if you're not in the right mindset for it, the results won't follow. Like as soon as you tell yourself you can do it and it really is possible for everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to look at people online all the time and think, wow, I wish I could do that, but I can't afford like surgery or loads of like, you know, shakes or things like that. Yeah. But actually it's just finding what works for your body um, and just unlocking that part of your mind um, and just kind of being, you know, kind to yourself. What I have learned over the past two years has been magnificent. You know, it's, it's completely changed my life. Um, and so you're not going to die if you don't eat carbohydrates, but you will die if you don't eat fat and protein. The energy I have, the life I have that has changed so amazingly in a few years proves to me that what I'm eating is only doing me good. I, you know what? I'd love to meet them because... Um, they changed my life basically. So I've lost now, I'm just a couple of, I'm about three pounds off losing five stone. Hello and welcome to UK Low Carb. This is your podcast, the podcast where we share the real life stories and experiences of people like you and me, people who follow the low carb or keto diet. So join me, Dan Grief, and my co-host each Friday to hear their story. And if you'd like to get involved, then please email me, dan at uklowcarb.com, or join our growing Facebook group, UK Low Carb. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts so that we can get the message out about the amazing benefits of the low-carb and keto lifestyle. Now, this podcast is sponsored by my business, Deliciously Guilt Free. Just use the code PODCAST and you can have 20% off your order. On with the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another Friday episode of UK Low Carb. Yes, it is a Friday. That means the weekend is just around the corner. Um, we've got through another week and it's very autumnal outside, isn't it, here in uh, the UK? Uh, I'm sure it's not so much in other parts of the world, of course, but uh, certainly North America, UK, the pictures I see on Instagram look absolutely amazing. Um, I just want to start by saying if you can leave a review, then please do so. Um, it helps people find this podcast. And I'm just going to share a review with you now from Julie Fit with Keto. Uh, and she says, I saw this podcast by chance from a friend on Instagram, and I'm so glad I started listening. I started researching keto in February 20. I have type 2 diabetes and my aim is to reverse this. From research, I know that I can reverse these, the diagnosis and it was a no-brainer. I've been fully keto since mid-April and I love it. And your podcasts are so real and motivating and the fact that you, the presenter, knows the lifestyle is great. I continue to learn every day and learn new things. This podcast is a breath of fresh air. Well done and good luck in continuing the podcast. It's great. Cheers, Julie. That means a lot to me. And um, yeah, it'd be great to chat with you on the community group, which, by the way, if you don't know, we've got our community call uh, happening for anyone who wants to join. It's not a recording. It's just a chat on Zoom uh, between myself and other members of the Keto Local community. You don't have to be somebody who's doing the fast. You don't have to be 
uh, member of the Wolf Pack. You can just literally be part of the call if you would like to learn more about keto, low carb, or share your story, or just meet other people who are like-minded. So join the Facebook group UK Low Carb, and you'll find the details to join the call there. Now today I'm talking to Shannon. She has a transformation story that I think is really inspirational, and I think it'll inspire you. Um, Now she started keto two years ago, and in that time she transformed her whole health. Not only was there a major success when it came to fat burning, but also reversing her PCOS. Um, Now she shares her story, and I mean really honestly, on at underscore Shannon's life, and I love the honesty on that account. She is such a brave, strong individual who really goes out there and shows humanity, kindness to people, and is honest about her own journey. And I think that is the most inspiring thing about her to change. And in this interview, she talks very much about how she's a normal person, and yet she has achieved some incredible results. And that, to me, is inspiring that me and everyone else can also do the same thing, because someone like Shannon saying, look, I'll show you the way to do it, which is brilliant. So really enjoyed doing this podcast. Now, it's recorded a little while ago. Um, Poor Shannon was rushed to hospital, I think, the next day after this recording. Um, And then after that, I know she had some tests and things. And she did say she's going to come back on the podcast to agree, uh, you know, to to go through all that with us and explain what happened to her. Um, And then, of course, she moved home. And unfortunately, her wedding was postponed because of the uh, pandemic. So I wish her and her partner, Tom, all the very best. Uh, and you're going to have a great life together. And I'm sure next year will come in no time at all and your wedding will be absolutely fabulous. So, um, yes, I just want to say then I'm going to stop waffling on, but I will just let you know, have a great weekend, whatever you're up to, keep it keto, keep it low carb. And, uh, yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Right, over to Shannon. I'm now joined by Shannon, and Shannon is on Instagram. In fact, she's a major player on Instagram. She's got a really good following of people, and she's always posting really good posts and engaging and putting on IGTV uh, well, lessons, really. So she's a great person to have on. And on Instagram, if you want to check it out, then she's at underscore Shannon's life. Shannon, welcome back to UK Low Carb. Hi, thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And I know you came on the 10-minute episode previously in lockdown, so it's good to have you now for your full story. And I'm really looking forward to going through it because, um, yeah, this it's been quite a journey that you've been on from what I've seen. And yeah. um, I think I'll just dive straight in, really. So we're just going to go back a little bit with your, your kind of earlier life and your relationship with food. Uh, what was it like, you know, growing up? Uh, what was your relationship with food and your family? I just want to know a bit about that, really. So, yeah, yeah go straight in with your story, please. Uh, going back, um, when I was growing up, I was always sort of, I had a bit of a weight issue. I was always a bit of a chunkier child. Um, but my mum always cooked everything fresh. And it was just kind of just a good, you know, good meals, like meat, two veg and things like that. Um, but I think when I mainly got my problem and developed a sort of thing around food was when I went to university and um, yeah. I think just moving out of the nest and being able to eat what I want you know at one o'clock in the morning or you know drinking yeah. and freshers and all of that that's when I think I really started to like go downhill with food <laughs> okay so you say go downhill is this um 
okay, this this I suppose different different ways of looking at that. Was it going downhill that it became a support for you that you had to eat and it became an emotional attachment, or was it more that it's a weight gain issue that you thought, ah, oh, my diet's made me unhealthy? Yeah, I think both. it was a little bit of both. Yeah. So at first, I was just excited that I could just live my life without you know my parents around me telling me what to do. Um, and I kind of looked, you know, I had a bad, well, not a bad, but just kind of like a standard university diet, just kind of eating meals at like random times and not getting a good sleep routine. Um, but in the end, I was, I gained a lot of weight in my first year of uni. I think I gained something like six or seven stone in my first year of uni. So wow. it, like it just piled on really, really quickly. Um, and I knew it wasn't right. I knew that what I was eating didn't justify that. Um, yes well the calorie in calorie out you'd think yeah students all over the country are doing something very similar to you right it's not like they're yeah it's not like you're doing something potentially massively different and eating double the amount of food or something I imagine you're having a very typical student life would you say yeah yeah typical student life like just less of jack of potatoes but I'd have them at like three in the morning um yeah. after a night out but I knew that what I was eating didn't like compensate for how much I was gaining so quickly and I think that's when alarm bells started to like ring off in my head um so I booked an appointment with the doctors and it was a bit of a process but they found out that I have polycystic ovaries and from there is where we understood where my weight gain was sort of coming from and it was sort of causing it um in a way but I also wasn't helping myself so I was getting myself into a sort of cycle okay so I guess so the food you're eating was causing weight gain which is making the condition worse and the condition itself was also making the weight gain worse so it's like a vicious cycle yeah yeah like all of a sudden I found myself in a sort of catch-22 where weight gain was a symptom of what I was struggling with um so it was really hard to lose weight and I was just in this massive battle of just never finding anything to help myself really okay so did you try different diets at the time I mean there are some different types slimming club diets and there's also I remember when I was at university I tried losing weight because I just want to relate to your story I put on a lot of weight at university as well and I went there thinking I was going to be like a sort of scrawny skinny thing because I'd be like starving probably because of where I imagine the students like budgets and whatnot but actually it wasn't like that at all I actually spent my first year um eating the university food because I was full board and I put on loads of weight it was incredible and looking back now I realized it's because every meal was probably 50 percent to 60 percent carbs so chips and rice were always a feature it's either one or the other um yeah you could, you could i remember going there once with really bad heartburn thinking like i'm feeling really ropey and i never had that before into university and so i just thought i'll just have a plate of pasta with nothing on it because obviously the sauce is making the heartburn <laughs> turns out of course probably all the white flour had had that morning you know probably the other so, way around yeah yeah i mean it's just <laughs> embarrassing now looking back at how little i understood but well, to be fair most people don't understand this now do they so i was in that situation i put on loads of weight and it was it's really hard to sort of know why, but I think it's because I'm so insulin resistant that it was just affecting me much more immediately. And I guess at home, I probably had just a better diet. Like at home, we didn't have fruit. We always had vegetables. So we'd always go for broccoli rather than oranges or anything. You know, that's just the family I was in. But university suddenly, it's like a bit of a free-for-all and you're trying everything and it's just going downhill fast, isn't it? Um, yeah, exactly. And I think being on a student budget as well, I would just go and like, as you say, like just buy bags of rice or pasta. Um, 
and just sprinkle some cheese on the top and like that would yeah. be dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've all done that. And I knew a lot of people started eating breakfast cereal at all times of day as well. So, yeah. you know, friends of mine would go out, we'd come back from a club and then suddenly the bowls would come out and loads of cornflakes and milk. And that was seen as being an okay, <laughs> healthy option. And you think, that's just crazy, isn't it, really? But I'm yeah. sure stuff like that. So polycystic ovary, um, I want to ask a bit about that because it's something that I've only learned about more recently. If I'm honest, I didn't know much about it before this podcast. And I've spoken to a few people now who've, who've got this condition or, you know, who are like managing it potentially now. But it seems to be it affects people in very different ways. So would you mind just explaining a bit about what it is, but also how does it affect you? Because I know that's very particular to each person. Yeah, so polycystic ovaries is basically it's a hormone imbalance disorder and it affects how women's ovaries work. Um, So a lot of the time it can be accompanied where on your ovaries they fill up with loads of cysts and then that causes a hormone sort of imbalance and it can rise your testosterone levels to much higher than they should be. So that can come with symptoms. Yeah. So with that, that can come with the symptoms of like weight gain, oily skin, um, it can thin your hair or make it thicker, um, fatigue and extreme tiredness. Um, so that's a big one for me. I was the big ones for me were just being really tired and the weight gain, those were the big major ones for me. Okay. And was this something that you knew about from your mum's family? Is it is it like a history of this or is it like a bit of a surprise? No, it's honestly kind of took me by surprise a little bit. It's not, I don't know if there's a genetic link, um, but certainly no one in my family has got it. Um, And there's not really a lot of research out on it, which is surprising because so many women struggle with it out there. I think they say as many as one in 10 people um, have, yeah, have polycystic ovaries without even knowing. Um, So yeah, it kind of took me by complete shock because I didn't know about it until... I was diagnosed with it. I'd never heard of it before. Yeah, and it's fairly new to me as well. Um, bit of a random question here. Do you think if men got this condition, we'd hear a lot more about it? Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Because <laughs> it's, it's funny how know. one in ten is a massive number of people. That yeah. All have, and yet we don't hear much about it. Um, yeah. Just an observation. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, it may be. I think with women's healthcare as well there's so many things that are out there that women struggle with and yeah I suppose so like it's not really it's not really known like when I tell some people that I've got polycystic ovaries they go oh what's that yeah um which is pretty interesting really and maybe it's kept private by a lot of people which is weird because if you had a broken leg you wouldn't say oh you know you wouldn't try and keep it hidden would you or if you had other problems generally there might be more up for conversation maybe there's a social stigma which is terrible um i'm guessing i don't know but i'm just thinking it's interesting that so many people have this you don't hear a bit more about it okay so in that case it was it the this condition that made you want to go low carb or was it more the fact that you found about low carb for weight loss or again was it kind of something that fitted into both of those things yeah so after it took me a while actually after I got the diagnosis so when I got the diagnosis that's when I started thinking right I should probably try and lose weight and so I tried pretty much everything going I tried Weight Watchers, Slimming World, tried doing a calorie deficit and exercising loads but nothing was working at all and that's when my health started to really deteriorate and wow so it's getting worse at that time it was getting worse and I was gaining even more weight um, and in the end, I think 
it was New Year's Eve on 2018. I just had this click moment where me and my partner, we were tucking into this gigantic Chinese that we'd ordered. And that was how we were celebrating New Year's Eve. And I just Mm. had this click where I was like, I don't want to go into the new year eating this much and feeling this way. Um, And I don't want my symptoms to get worse. I need to do something about this. And I'd heard of keto um, and I'd seen it, funnily enough, again, a lot on Instagram. And I saw how how good it can be for people with PCOS because like you as well, you struggle with insulin resistance with it. So I I researched into low carb and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to give it a go. And I just started the next day. Okay. And then that was it. You were, you were just, you committed to this, I guess in a way, because that's a new year's resolution. I know you did it for life, but so I guess, uh, well, I, I think I saw this somewhere before the number of Google like um, searches on keto diet and low carb diet goes up massively around the 1st of January time. Oh, of course, really? Yeah. I think it's at the time when people are thinking, right, I've just had Christmas. I'm feeling a bit bloated, not very happy with things. New Year's resolution, let's go for it. And there's a big spike in searches. And I hope a lot of those people carry on because I think it's so beneficial. And, and we'll talk about your uh, story and how beneficial it was for you. But yeah, it becomes a very popular thing around that time. Um, and especially because we've had so many sweets and chocolate, a lot of people, I guess, they want to detox their body in some way. Um, but just one observation I had there. So you said, you know, like that your condition is a hormonal one. And of course, you realize when you go more into keto and low carb that it's actually a hormonal response as to why you be- become heavier in the first place, isn't it? With insulin and all the rest of it. Do you know what the connection is between, for instance, how that helps with um, polycystic ovaries? Because I don't know. The, the hormones, yeah. how that all, all that balances with keto. So, yeah, so basically, um, you can have a bit of insulin resistance alongside PCOS. So when I went low carb and majorly reducing my sugar, uh, it just kind of balanced out, and it just just seemed to work with my body type. Um, right. Yeah, it just so, seemed so to basically, work. Basically, so sugar, it seemed in particular, you thought that was yeah. irritating the condition. Yeah, mainly sugar. Um, and I think as well, for me, I'd become a little bit dependent on sugar um, right. without even realising. I don't think I realised how much sugar I was having every day. So when I cut it out, well, not cut it out completely, when I majorly reduced it, I just saw results so quickly. Wow. So what sort of results are we talking about? So when I woke up on the 1st of January... I just thought, do you know what? I'm going to set myself a proper goal. I'm going to try and lose a hundred pounds. Yeah. Um, didn't think that I would ever get that far. I just told myself, try and try and see far into the future. Um, and after the first week, I lost six pounds, so nearly half a wow. stone. Yeah. How did that and feel? that was just oh god, it was amazing. And because every time I tried a diet, it just seemed that I gained weight. So to yes, all of a sudden yeah. see that loss, I was just like, wow. To be fair, if you lost a pound in that week, you'd have been really delighted, wouldn't you? So six is just cloud nine. Yeah. Yeah. Even half a pound. I would have been like, woohoo, let's throw a party. (laughs) You know what? That's the thing with keto. Um, We we know that, of course, a lot of that's water weight because, of course, you you hold so much fluid in your body when you're eating carbs. It's like the hypertension issue. But I think it's such a nice way of eating in the way that it gives you like a little bit like confidence boost to say, look, you lost six pounds. There'll be more to come. It's a really nice way to start a new diet, isn't it, really? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I think that's why I've stayed on with it so long because having that initial, you know, success that I think that's what's motivated me because every single week since then until just recently, because I've lost majorly, well, mostly all the weight I want to lose. 
every single week I then continued to lose at least two pounds a week for the past 18 months amazing yeah now, if if yeah. if you were doing another diet, and I don't want to get sued by any companies, but if you were doing another diet with another brand or something like like you know a program or something, and you were losing two pounds a week, how do you think that would feel doing it by calorie deficit, which those programs are based on, compared to do it the way you were eating, which would be harder, yeah. which would be easier? I think that I would still be happy, um, because the results are kind of the main motivator and why we want to lose weight. But I think what going low carb and keto has taught me is that my whole relationship with food has completely changed because you wow. you look at food and sugar in a completely different way. You kind of see it as I think we're sort of told all the time that you, you know, we're brought up to go, oh, bread's good for you. And, you know, this is good for you. But when you strip it back and you don't have so much of it, you realize that we don't need to be dependent on so much sugar. So yes, I'm really yeah. glad that I've learned from this lifestyle that my relationship with food is just completely different now. That's amazing. And you know what? I think one of the weirdest things that is said about food is everything in moderation. And it's such a funny expression because I don't honestly know what moderation is because surely other people have got different interpretations about, about moderation. And the other thing I find annoying is people say, you know, you need to have a balanced diet. And what they really mean by that is, cut the fat out and you can have sugar and carbs and it's like well that's not actually balanced either that's really unbalanced in one direction and and if you've got a food that's making you ill then why would you want it in any diet why do you want to have moderation of a, of a mild poison or why do you want to have moderation of something that's going to make you sick so it's just it's sad that people say that and believe it i think because it makes them ill yeah um i think as well we we were sort of I, you know, I always kind of spent my time growing up thinking, like seeing low fat things everywhere and thinking that yeah. that was better for me when actually it's just pumped full of other sugar and stuff. And I think we were taught that fat is really bad for you. And actually, when you have the right fat, it's really healthy and it's, yes, it can yeah. be really beneficial for your health. Yeah, it's amazing. It's almost like we've been eating that for millions of years. <laughs> and then suddenly yeah. the last sort of 40 years, we've suddenly said, don't eat that anymore. Just eat loads of processed food and sugar. You'll be healthier. And it's it's weird, isn't it? It's a weird little blip, yeah. I think, in human history that we've done this. Um, the other thing I find really interesting is that animals know what's right for their bodies. It's only humans or any species on earth that get this so wrong and make themselves ill. And I keep hearing the same thing again and again. People try low carb or go keto or they you know depending on how strict they want to be into this and then they have some amazing results but they kind of understand how their body works and i know now oh yeah if i eat that i'll put on some weight and if i eat that i'll probably like maintain my weight and if i fast i might lose some weight whatever it might be and obviously weight's not the only focus but i kind of know how i work now and that's so liberating because i, I love what you said your relationship with food changes so you know what to eat and how you tick and how you function the other thing, of course, for me is, and you said about your university days, um, I was really eating really, really late at night. And I found, you know, I got into a habit of eating kind of 10 o'clock at night, even later than that sometimes because I was so busy during the day. Um, or I was like on the move and just trying to get anything in my mouth when I could. And that that has an effect too, doesn't it? Even if it's low carb, yeah. eating at weird times, it's not good, is it? So do you, oh, do you have to try and work on that for yourself as well? Yeah, so when I, yeah, when I first started, I was also looking into intermittent fasting. So it's not something I would say that I do all the time, but I probably do it unintentionally. 
So I always try to eat, like I have my breakfast uh, between eight and half eight every morning. Mm -hmm. And then I'll always have my dinner just before six. And I don't eat between 6pm and 8.30 the next morning. So it's still like just over 14 hours of no food. Still pretty good. Um, Yeah, but always eating late at night. I think no matter what it is, even if it's just keto food, like chicken breast and a bit of salad, it just doesn't, yeah, I don't feel great the next day. Yeah, it's almost like you've had to digest it through the time you're sleeping, that's why. Um, yeah. yeah. So in that case, I think it's uh, only right that I ask, what was your result in the end, if you don't mind sharing? So from yeah. the 1st of January 2018 to now, or when have you got to your target weight, um, how much yeah. did you lose? So I have now lost £124. Wow. So you went £24 yeah. pounds over what you thought was impossible anyway. That's brilliant. Yeah. Now, just some quick calculations. I've had to do this on the show before. So American <laughs> listeners are going £124. Pounds, completely get it. They that. get it. Um, yeah. I, this probably take me longer to look on Google than, than you'd be able to know. But what um, is that in stone, do you know? So I know that I started at 20 stone and £3. Pounds. That's what yeah. I started at. I've just been having a little pound thing. So every time I lose a pound, I've just been putting a tally on. So I don't actually know how much I weigh at the moment. Um, let's have a little look. Well, that's pretty cool as well. You're, you've changed your relationship from weighing yourself all the time to yeah. just eating the right diet. And now you're happy knowing that you've kind of lost all this weight. By the way, yeah. in kilograms, that's 56 kilograms. Cool. So I weigh 11 stone five now. So okay. two so pounds away from nine, nine stone. No, wow. Amazing. So you lost yeah. nine stone in a year and a half, or was it? Yeah, just Brilliant. a year and a half. Yeah. And it sounds like the least painful way to lose weight ever. It doesn't sound like you've suffered in that yeah. time. You've had the right stuff. No, so I haven't. What foods are you eating then? What would kind of you said you eat at about eight to eight thirty in the morning? You have your meal in the evening before six. Would you mind talking us through a day as to what does a fantastic person like you on this journey? Because oh. I'm sure if I need to lose a bit more weight. And I'm listening, thinking, right, I want to do what she does because she's like an inspiration. <laughs> so go for it. What, what are you eating? Uh, thank you. Well, everyone's different. Um, but my kind of go-to breakfasts are either the classic keto breakfast. So two rashes of bacon, uh, some scrambled eggs. And um, for anyone in the UK, because this is a UK podcast, if you go to Waitrose and have the live life bread, it is incredible. Okay. Do Oh, is this the seeded low-carb bread? Yeah. Yeah, we did get that here for a while. It's really thick. Yeah. Isn't it? like when you have some, it's, it's really filled up, that's for sure. Yeah, it's really good. And I've managed to fit it into my carb count for the day. So that always works. So I feel like I'm having a good breakfast, like a good cooked breakfast, like bacon, eggs, and toast. And yeah. I always have to have a coffee every morning. Or I'll have something like an omelette or some Greek yogurt and berries if I'm feeling like I need a treat. Yeah, nice. So lovely food um, in the morning, yeah. Yeah. And then lunchtime, I always have like a really light lunch because I feel like after breakfast, I'm not really hungry. Um, because that's the thing when you're low carb, you don't really get that hungry. Yeah. So the lunch, I usually have like some sort of salad, like a chicken salad or a salmon salad or mackerel salad, just anything in salad. Okay. And then dinner wise, I try and think of low carb as I can have any dinner I want but I'll just remove the carb and sugar element yep. to that dinner. Which is a very so, practical, clever way of doing it, isn't it? It's not It's not yeah. some weird diet. You just have the same food as everyone else, like the rice on the plate or the sugary sauce or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so if I want pasta, I'll just switch it for like a courgette pasta, like I've got a spirula. Or if I want a roast dinner, 
it can be sad sometimes missing out on the roast potatoes, but I'll make some sort of other roast potatoes. Like I'll use a courgette or just anything like that. Well, so I'll tell you what, I went to, I went to a carvery about a year and a half ago. And, uh, and I said to the guy serving like, yeah, I do, I do low carb. So uh, no thank you to the Yorkshire pudding or the potatoes. And he's like, we can have in your plate though. I was like, well, I'll have these like three meats or whatever. And he's like, I'll put some more on. And he literally started like, <laughs> hacking in. I was like, you see that fat on the side of the beef? You're just going to chuck it away, right? Do my fat on that too? It's like, it's just going to be chucked. Yeah, have it. I was like, that's the best bit. It's gorgeous. That's and, you know, brilliant. And yeah, yeah. I haven't been there for a while because I think they're going out of business after me. But, um, you know, like, yeah. but that's the great thing. I thought I'm actually eating the stuff that I love to eat. And I mean, I really adore meat. So I'm not like, you know, going to turn down that offer. Um, but yeah, like you say, I generally find I'll have the same meal as everybody else without the stuff they're eating. And yet, bizarrely, I'm as um, I'm as full as they are. In fact, they're overfilled, yeah. and I'm not. And I find that weird. Like we we have a curry now and again, and I have the lamb chops and some other side dishes which are vegetable based. But I feel really happy after that. But when I used to eat naan bread and rice, I'd be so super stuffed. I felt awful. Oh God, I would feel the same. Um, like now, so my partner doesn't do low carb with me, but we'll always have the same dinner every night. But yeah. If he fancies some potatoes, I'll cook him some potatoes. And I can look at them now and not not want them anymore. I can look yeah. at them and not be like salivating over them. And I can just be happy just to cook them for him. It's almost like a switch in your head, isn't it? I get to the point where I'm like, well, I just don't eat that. So my brain doesn't even think it wants it. I mean, yeah. having kids here and they, eat, they do eat carbs, you've got to be careful because there are a few things that tempt me more than others. So a boiled potato, no way. A piece of pizza, definitely, yes. So... You know, we have to buy as adults the right food we think is healthier for them, obviously, but also to avoid temptation. But I think you're doing the right way. You know, you're just having a normal meal, take off the carbs, and you're having it. You're making it keto, which is great. And do you do you yeah. monitor and track everything as well? Yeah. So I do have a keto app. So it's called the Keto Diet app. Um, sometimes I use that. And when I first started, I was always strict under 20 grams of carbs. And then after the first year, I upped it to 30 grams. Um, but sometimes, like even now, especially throughout lockdown, I don't really bother like obsessively tracking because I think yeah. when you track too much, it can get a little bit daunting and overwhelming. And I don't want it to be like that. I don't want to be weighing my food. And um, so I sort of keep a rough tally in my head. And I, when you've done it for so long and it's a lifestyle, you know how much food you can have. So yeah, I track sometimes, um, but not all the time. That's a good idea. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. You know, you want to be in a some sort of diet plan where for the rest of your life you're counting everything or whatever. It's nice to get a feel for it. And your body knows what to do anyway, doesn't it? Like you, you kind of, I find now, and I think this is a difference. I honestly believe I'm a carb addict. Certainly I'm a white flour addict. Um I don't think I'm a sugar addict. I don't think that's something that's for me, but I think white flour really does something to my head and makes me want it. So if I have it once, like for instance, if I had breaded chicken, uh, and I use that example quite often in this podcast, but it really is a problem for me. If I have that, I really desire it. But if I have a piece of like a chicken thigh, I could leave half of it and not even desire the rest of it and think I'm full now and stop. So there's definitely a weird relationship with food going on there that I, I find. Um, yeah. I mean, and that, that's why I think... You know what? I know what what works for my body and what doesn't work for my body. So my dad got me recently these um, meatballs, and they're delicious. But I think they must have had carbs in them. And I woke up with heartburn. I felt really restless that night. The next morning, I wake up hungry. I'm like, "Whoa, this doesn't happen to me." I've forgotten what yeah. I'm like um, because I just don't get hungry in that way anymore. 
And I was like, yeah, that's weird. I'm so sensitive to those foods now because I just didn't have them. And I realized what they do to my body. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. Like recently I, um, like when I was under the doctors just recently, they thought I had IBS. So they recommended I go on the FODMAP diet for a while. And naturally it's not really low carb. Um, so I was a bit sad to move away from low carb for literally it was only a week because it just wasn't agreeing with me at all. Um, as soon as I started to introduce like big amounts of like rice but more the sugar elements of things like fruit and things like that it just really wasn't wasn't agreeing with me I got really shaky and I just didn't feel well yeah yeah and what 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 does FODMAP stand for because I know one of the p's from polyols isn't it so I can't remember what they are so it's basically a diet where they recommend that you should you should lock out these particular food types from your diet and then introduce things gradually back in is that the idea yeah, I think so. I don't actually know what it stands for. Um, oh, no, don't worry. Yeah, it's like bland food. Um, just kind of keeping it, um, yeah, just kind of plain and just like good things for your gut, I suppose. Um, okay, well, I'll tell you what, let's have a look. I'm just on, uh, uh, not I'm on Google or anything. This is clearly like me uh, being on top of things and knowing itself. Um, right, so apparently it's fermentable. That's what the F is. So um, nothing that kind of makes, I guess, like your bacteria to ferment things or uh, anything. Hang on. Maybe I have to read this off the podcast because I don't even know what some of the words are, to be fair. Um, it looks like you have to avoid things like wheat, rye, onions, garlic, legumes, and pulses. You've got to avoid things like dairy products, milk, soft cheeses, yogurts. You've got to avoid... Um, things like honey apples, high fructose corn syrup and syrup. So I suppose that's good at least. And avoid, well, it says avoid fructose, but I guess in that case, you probably wouldn't be eating too much fruit, I guess. That's the idea. And also, which of course we use polyols in our brownies, for instance, but it also can be found in fruit and vegetables and can be used as a sweetener. So um, I think the hardest thing um, was limiting dairy. Um, because right. I, I do love dairy and I, I have cheese and I have my double cream and my coffee. Um, so I think it just really didn't suit my body type. And then as soon as I've started to be low carb again, and this is just very recently over the past couple of days, my body has thanked me for it. <laughs> Interesting. So it's almost like your body, yeah. you know how your body works and it's working for you. So do, do you mind sharing a bit about that story? Cause you were quite ill for a while, weren't you? And you were saying to me, yeah. On a few weeks ago that you had really kind of laid up with this illness so you thought it was one thing but it's something else right yeah so for a while I was just having like a just general pain just sort of everywhere in my gut so they thought it could have been IBS um, and yeah. so when I tried changing my diet and I tried IBS medications nothing seemed to be working um, so they're going down sort of like a different investigative route um, it could be something like endometriosis because that can mirror IBS um, okay. but with that um, low carb actually I've seen well today I've been researching I've looked on Instagram a lot as well a lot of people with that condition have gone low carb and keto so kind of interesting how my pain got worse when I came right. off low carb so oh, it's see, a long so drawn out process more irritated by going off low carb this is interesting yeah. stuff is that in any way linked to polycystic ovaries because it's to do with the uterus isn't it 
Yeah, I mean, they're not linked, but they have been known to be sort of like sister conditions in a way. Like you're very likely to develop one if you have the other. Um, They're not um, they're not tied together, so to speak. Right. Okay. That's that's really interesting. And I hope you get to the bottom of it. But I'm glad in some ways you've you've found that low carb is the answer to you. So I'm really pleased that you found something. Um, Now, it would be really kind of remiss of me not to talk about your amazing Instagram video you did recently. (laughs) And it's really good because it's the sort of thing I've thought about for years thinking I need to explain this to people because it is confusing. And the topic I'm talking about is net carbs, effective carbs, how net carbs and carbohydrate um, labels read basically because when you buy a product of course you look at the number of carbs or the number amount of sugar the amount of fat etc and a lot of people get really confused by what carbohydrate numbers they're looking at so you made a really good video and if you want to have a look at that then just go to her uh, instagram account so shannon's instagram account is at underscore shannon's life and she's got it there for you to see so do you want to just talk through if you wouldn't mind a bit about how to work out these different types between America, the European Union, and how it all works. Yeah, so I was actually surprised on the amount of people that messaged me and just said, how do I work out my carbs? Um, So I just thought, you know what, I'm going to put this in a video because I feel like it's not really explained a lot out there. And it can seem more complicated than it is. Like when you Google it, it looks so complicated, but it's so simple. Um, So when you go onto a low-carb or keto diet, you your mainly your main focus is carbs so on on some sort of packaging it's different for the uk and the eu versus like america yeah so in american packaging their fiber is under their carbs but will say carbohydrates of which fiber and they have to work out for absolutely everything the carbs minus the fiber so I think apps and things are very popular for them out there. But I think a lot of people go online, they see a lot of, because it's very popular in America, they see American people doing that and then they do that over here. But it's our different, fiber, isn't it? Yeah, it's totally different. So the fiber is already taken out and yeah. you don't need to work out net carbs on most UK packaging. You I guess otherwise your food it. might have more carbs than you realize because you're taking off something that's already been taken away. Yeah. And especially even when I going back to the very first day I started, that's how I thought you did it. So it was a miracle, really. I still lost so much weight in the first week yeah, because yeah, that's what yeah. I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now, the thing is, there, so fiber itself stops you, I think, your body ingesting the carbs. Right. So they say, yeah. you know, if you have a glass of apple juice, there'll be a certain amount of fructose in there. Your body basically just takes that straight through the gut into the bloodstream, the sugars, et cetera. But the fiber, if it's like a you know an actual apple you're eating, the fiber stops your body taking quite so many of those carbs, and it passes through your system. That's the idea, right? Yeah, definitely. And um, so I think that's where people were getting a bit confused because I think people were eating more carbs than they thought they were eating, and a lot of people thought that they needed to subtract the sugar from the carb content which was like a no, that's the one that you're supposed to keep the most. (laughs) Yeah, I Um, see. Right. Okay. Yeah. So so basically, if you're in the UK, you you take the carb, whatever carb says you take as your carb content. But if it says of which polyols, which you're very familiar with, you can subtract the polyols if they're good polyols and good sugar alcohols. 
So that's a whole new area, isn't it? A discussion. So, yeah. So polyol, um, well, they come from natural sources, don't they? So sometimes from fruit. I think erythritol comes from yeast extraction and also birch sap, I've heard. I don't know if that's right or not, but I've, I've certainly heard that. So they come from natural sources. And it's a natural thing that's produced by nature, which your body doesn't ingest. So again, it goes through your system. And I think your bacteria and your gut can eat it and, and process it or whatever, but you don't actually ingest it into your body. So, you know, so the way the label reads is that it, so it includes that in its carb count, but actually, in fact, there's no impact on that in your body. So we tried to work around that by saying, well, this is a carb count, but effectively you're only having far fewer carbs than you'd imagine because your body can't digest it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like, I used your brownies, for example. I hope you don't mind me using that. Oh, very happy to. It's 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 great because we get asked so many questions. So I'm like, actually, go and talk, go and look at Shannon's video because that says it perfectly. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Um, So I just think I was just trying to tell people, in short, make sure you're deducting polyols um, from your carb content because actually it's not so bad. Um, because I think people are going, wow, these keto, you know, these keto products have got like 10 grams of carbs in them and that's still good. But I was like, no, it's only got like one gram in it because most yeah. of it's polyols. Yeah. Although um, on saying that, you did say there's a difference. Not all polyols are the same, right? Not all yeah. these sweeteners are the same, which is also confusing because you just think a sweetener is a sweetener. And in fact, I come across this all the time. People will say, oh, you use aspartame in your food. I'm like, no, that's very different, actually, to a polyol. That's a chemical that's used to give the sweet flavor when actual fat, the sweeteners we use are polyols, which is completely different. So do you think you could tell us a bit about that as well? So I basically, I should have probably included it in the video, but I didn't want to overwhelm people with information. But with your polyols, which is your sweeteners and toxins, um, so basically, things like maltitol and certain splendors that have got dextrose in, they can be not so good for like your gut health. And you can actually end up digest, like ingesting these and it can spike your blood sugar um, wow. and kick you out of ketosis. They can be quite harmful to your body. So it's almost like so a think- weaker version of sugar in some ways. If, it's, if it can spike your blood sugar, then you, that's really what you want to avoid, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, the glycemic index, so it's really high. I mean, it's a lot less than sugar, but it's sort of like a middle between sweetener, I think, and sugar. So it can be really quite bad for someone who's on a low-carb diet. Yeah, and actually, what I think is interesting, some products on the market have this in. So, you know, I won't mention any names, but there is a company uh, which produces food for people who go to gyms and stuff who basically want to lose weight and cut their sugar, which is completely understandable. So if you look at it from that point of view of somebody who eats sugar, but you want to eat a little bit less sugar, then multitol might be a good option for them because they think, well, actually, it's better than sugar and I'm not going low carb or keto, so I'll happily eat that thing. And equally, I know sugar-free sweets, they use multitol because the way that it crystallizes makes a very glassy, smooth uh, sweet. Whereas if you use erythritol, uh, and this is a problem we have with using it sometimes, the product actually becomes really big crystals, which then break and then becomes cloudy looking. So it's hard to get that glassy look. So actually, there's a reason for using multitol, but if you're trying to cut that your your carbs and your sugar, you want to stay away from it, well clear, because especially if you're type 2 diabetic or you've got a health condition, it's, it could be potentially really quite bad for you, couldn't it? Yeah, definitely. So I just think um, for anyone that's going on a low-carb diet, I think it's really important to research up on your sweeteners and just kind of get a basic idea of what's really 
you know, what's good ones to go for and not so bad good ones to go for. Yeah, exactly. Start with the video. Definitely go and watch that video first and then yeah. you can sort of find out more about it. And, and that's a great yeah. thing with the internet. It's all out there. So yeah. we're coming towards the, the end of our show today, Shannon. And um, I just wanted to ask, is there a particular like keto recipe or a dish that you'd sort of recommend that you've tried or you've made and you think, you know what, if you're going to do keto, do it in style, have this. Okay. Um, I think my go-to is chicken. So let me think of a chicken. Um, okay. One of my favorite ones is if you get a chicken breast and you butterfly it and like yep. stuff it with some like meats, like some chorizo or some Ooh, mozzarella slices and put it together in a sandwich and then like wrap it in some, like some ham or some bacon or something like that. Nice. Um, put it in the oven and roast it. And then I like to make my own homemade chips. Um, and I make okay. them out of courgette. So I cut them up really, really fine into like fries shapes. Yeah. And I cover them with a little bit of olive oil, like the tiniest bit. And then I coat them in Parmesan and Ooh, put them in the oven. Lovely. Yeah. It, they're so good. And especially when you cut them up really, really thin, they go really crispy like French fries. Perfect. So that, yeah, that's a good dinner. Yeah. Oh, my mouth is watering. Like we recorded this a bit <laughs> late in the evening. I'm like, I want to go and eat that now. That sounds amazing. Wonderful. <laughs> well, Shannon, I'm going to try that. And maybe if anyone else tries it as well, share your photos because that's the sort of meal that will make everyone envious. It's certainly making me yeah. envious now hearing it. I'm going but, to make it this week. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So in that case, yeah, go on to her Instagram, have a look at Shannon's, sorry, un, at underscore Shannon's life. And you're about to see it there for yourself. Um, Thank you so much, by the way. Um, we're going to sort of share this with all our listeners and also, if you don't mind, maybe some of your transformation photos just to show yeah. people what an amazing journey you've been on. Um, but what I think is really inspiring about your story, you make it sound so simple. Like you, oh, made, a, you, made, you. you made a choice, but you've achieved so much. You should be so proud of yourself and you know, you. shout it from the rooftops. But it sounds to me there's been no suffering from the diet point of view at all. It's been a very yeah. natural transition for your body type and congratulations on all those results. It's really, really positive. Well, thank you. I just think like the main thing that low carb did for me is help my mindset. And right. when everyone messages me and they say, why did you do keto or, you know, how do I do it? And, you know, how do I start? And I always say the main thing before you even look at keto or whatever is get your mind in the right headspace because if you're not in the right mindset for it, the results won't follow. Like as soon as you tell yourself you can do it and it really is possible for everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to look at people online all the time and think, wow, I wish I could do that, but I can't afford like surgery or loads of like, you know, shakes or things like that. Yeah. But actually it's just finding what works for your body um, and just unlocking that part of your mind um, and just kind of being, you know, kind to yourself and tell yourself I love you can that. do it. I love that. Brilliant. Really good words of wisdom as well at the end. Thank you so much. And I love the fact you said, I'm going to set myself a target of a hundred pounds. It's probably not going to happen, but you've now done 124. So it's yeah. possible. It really is. You know, there's a good friend of mine who once said, um, he realizes that he will never be a muscly guy. He'll never be a thin guy. And I'm like, your body's not anyone and not different to anyone else's, you know, like the food you eat affects you differently. But there's no reason you couldn't have a big muscular figure. Like it's belief first, like you say, get it in your mind, and then that's your yeah. target to work towards. I think that's brilliant. Thank you, yeah. Shannon. 
and I think that's a really good episode and I can't wait for people to hear it. So, oh, um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been great talking to you. So take care of yourself. Yeah. And you. Thanks for having me. Hello. You still there? Dan here. I can see you're one of the keen ones because you're still listening. So got a very simple request please go and rate and review this podcast now on Apple if you haven't done so already. And I'll read it out next week on the show. So go and do that. Hear about your review next week. Everyone's a winner. Right, I'm going to shoot off now. Take care. Have a lovely week. See you next Friday. (laughs) 